Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, world. Welcome once again to Tuesday Talk with Key West Lou. I am your host, Louis Patron. Where do I begin? It's like the song, Where Do I Begin to Tell or whatever it is to say. We've had two crazy weeks, the last, the worst. I'm talking about Donald Trump and everything he's been doing. Uh, this last week or the last few days he spent in France at, G, at the G7 meeting, the worst. Uh, the man is not stable. Uh, the man is not smart. In fact, I'd say he's ignorant. I mean this with all due respect. He is driving our democracy into the ground. He is ruining us. He wants to turn us into a totalitarian state. He may accomplish it. I don't know. Uh, he has a lot of people still supporting him. I can't believe the people who support him. In any event, it's we live in difficult times. We are on the verge of war in several places. We are committed to minor wars in other places. These minor wars seem to go on for 17, 18 years, though. And all kinds of things are happening, some of which I'm going to cover tonight. I don't like talking about them all the time on this show. We get hit with them every day, 24 hours a day on the Internet, on television, and in newspapers. There comes a time when you say, no more, enough. But... You have to talk about him a bit because he is intrinsic. He's part and parcel of the way we live today. So tonight, here's where we're going to go. Some of it will be Donald Trump. Some of it won't. We're going to come to a period close to the end of the world. We're going to go to Puerto Rico, Key West. We're going to go to New Jersey, Homestead, St. Petersburg, China, Washington, the Amazon. Uh, Japan, Pearl Harbor, Canada, and more. Lots of places. I hope we make all of them. I always have this long list, and I never make it every week. I keep looking forward to the week where I, I, I speak less about certain topics, if I can, or something happens and I move too fast, and I cover all my points. But anyhow, we're going to start tonight with the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Envision them if you can. See them in your minds. The four horsemen of the apocalypse. They come thundering on their horses. They come thundering out of the clouds, black and white. They bring nothing but badness with them, evil with them. Who are they? The four horsemen are conquest, war, famine, and death. Conquest, war, famine, and death. Understand that the story of the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse is the next to the last book in the Bible. The next to the last book in the Bible. So what is it foretelling when we say the Apocalypse? That's the end of the world. It's Armageddon, the end of the world, and that's what is being shown to us through the good book. The horses involved, these men are coming through on horses, or these four deities, or whatever you want to call them, one is white, one is red, one is black, and one is pale. It is said in the good book that 
the four horsemen, will bring with them enough power to destroy one quarter of the earth, to kill one quarter of the people on the earth. Interesting, isn't it? Don't ask me why one quarter. I didn't know. I did not write the Bible. Now, on the white horse coming in, we'll be riding the conqueror, okay? He is bent on conquest, and he's also bent on creating an army, having a people engaged in war, in contact war. He's a conquester. He's a conqueror. They call him conquest, and he's got people. He's dragging behind them. He wants war, engagement in war with other peoples or countries, whatever you want to describe them as. The second horse is red, and it's, he signifies, and what he wants to do is take a piece from the earth. He has the power to take a piece, P-I-E-C-E, all right, all right, to take a piece from the earth and to make men slay each other. I misspelled peace, I'm sorry comes with your old age, peace, P-E-A-C-E. Uh, he wants to, he has the power to take peace from the earth and to make men slay each other. You notice how everything's war? And when I'm describing these things, think in the back of your mind, where is conquest taking place in the world today? Where is there wars, wars where the nest taking place? And so it fits into the story. The third horse, the black one, uh, really spells out how some things are in this world today. Uh, and the third horse, the black one, would you believe that the four horsemen of the apocalypse speaks of food prices, food prices on the high side, food prices, high food prices, which have led to famine, a quote from the Bible, a quart of wheat for a day's wages, and three quarts of barley for a day's wages, and do not change the oil, on, and do not damage the oil and the wine. Now, we have food prices. Out of the, we got people starving all over the world. If you go to Venezuela, they've been starving for years down there. I'm not laughing at it. I'm just telling you this is going on. It's going on in parts of Africa. It's going on in the Middle East. Uh People are starving. This is part of an indication or reflection the end of the world may be on its way. And that's why I'm talking about the four horsemen of the apocalypse, because I believe, and I wrote a blog on it earlier this week, and I titled it, Soon, the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. Soon, the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse, because I believe we're getting there. Everything seems to indicate we're coming to an end. Now, that end may be 10 years from now, Probably 100 or 200 years from now, because before we even get there, we've got to have all these terrible things happen to us here on Earth. And the fourth item, it fits, is disease. It's a pale horse, pale because the rider is disease, sickness. And the name of the rider is death, death, with Hades following close behind. Uh, now, you put all these things together, and you do have the end of the world, where you have conquest and wars, where you have food prices out of control and people starving, uh, where 
people want to kill each other, where you have all kinds of crazy diseases. Look at all the new diseases we come up with. We got Ebola. We had AIDS 15, 20 years ago. These are all weird diseases coming up. We get to control some, others we don't yet. There's going to come a day when we can't control all of them, and then we're going to have a disease that's going to kill everybody or most people, or most people will walk the earth suffering. So Lewis says, that soon the four horsemen of the apocalypse will come. I'm not saying tomorrow. I'm not saying next year. I see it 100 years from now, hopefully, or 200 years from now. The farther it out, out it is, the best. And when it comes, it's the prelude. The next step is God coming for it. It's the end of the world. And those that should will go with him. And those that shouldn't will go downstairs. That simple. Moving on now. I want to talk about hurricanes. This is the hurricane season here in Key West and in the Florida Keys. Wild. Every year we're in the middle of the hurricane season right now. And I got to tell you something. I've been down here close to 30 years now. And I've been through tropical storms, tropical depressions, category one, category two, one, category three. I would never stay for a four or five. I got out of here two years ago for Irma because I thought it was going to be a five, and it was only a one when it hit Key West. But 16 miles up US-1, 16 miles from me, it was a four. Hurricanes are fickle. Power here, no power there. Anyhow, uh, we have two hurricanes, or probable hurricanes on the horizon. Now, they come up quick during the season. Both one one of these just got started about a week ago today or a week or a week ago tomorrow last Wednesday Dorian Dorian uh, it was a new tropical storm these these all our storms come out of Africa by the way uh, and it's been growing in intensity right now at this moment uh, it is going to a category one. It's either tonight or tomorrow. It will be Category 1. And when it's a Category 1, it will be passing over Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico may get hurt again. After suffering Irma, after suffering Michael, after having gotten screwed by the president and their own country, the United States of America, not being helped, they may get hit again. And I wonder what our good president's going to do for them, for them this time. Uh, so bad, so fearful are the people of Puerto Rico that the government today uh, declared an emergency because of Dorian, which is supposedly going to hit tonight or tomorrow sometime. Now, we got a female. Every, every other one is there male, female, male, female, the way the meteorologist, the weather bureau uh, names these. Elaine's on its way. We didn't even hear about Elaine two days ago. All of a sudden, we got Elaine. Elaine was not here yet, wasn't moving really. It wasn't a tropical depression. It wasn't a tropical storm. It really was nothing. But they thought it was going to turn into something. And if it did, they would name it Elaine. So we had Elaine to play with. Well, Elaine, now, uh, it's still developing, okay? And at the moment, it's a tropical depression. And fortunately, fortunately, it has made a sharp right turn or will make a sharp right turn in the Atlantic and not even come close to the Atlantic seaboard till it reaches New 
Jersey. So we're safe here in the Keys. The New Jersey and North may not be. Uh, and again, we, we're not sure if I'm powerful. Uh, it, it won't even make a Category 1, but they don't have to. I've been here for a tropical storm, tropical depression. Those things can be worse than a Category 2. Uh, it's just how long they sit over your head and beat the hell out of you. So that's the story on these two, and we're going to have more. The season isn't over until November 30th, the hurricane season. I'm laughing because when I first started coming to Key West, the hurricane season was about two months. Uh, I I think it ended the last day of September, began August 1st. And then it kept getting larger. The meteorologists made it larger and larger because we had more and more hurricanes, and they came earlier and earlier and later and later. And so and two years from now, three years from now, there'll be another month added on to this thing. I can see it coming. But Dorian, we're going to hear about tomorrow, and we're going to hear about Elaine tomorrow. And keep your ears open and pay attention to what, if anything, happens to Puerto Rico. Now, with regard to Puerto Rico and the hurricane, Donald Trump issued a tweet today on the hurricane. <clears throat> you recall, uh, from my perspective, from the world's perspective, he did little for them. He did little for Puerto Rico. Remember, my friends, they are American citizens. They may not be a state, but they are American citizens. They are our brothers and sisters. Uh, most of them may be people of color. They're our brothers and sisters. People of color in this country are our brothers and sisters. We are all one in this country, allegedly. Uh, and we're supposed to be united. We're supposed to be one human, happy family, but we're not. Uh, now, Trump did little for Puerto Rico, yet he had the audacity today in his tweet, and he has said this before many times, that he spent something like the, the United States, I've already, he already spent, I've already spent 92 or $95 billion, billion dollars on Puerto Rico. And look, they pissed the money away, in effect, is what he's saying, uh, and nothing really got done, it's their own fault. Well, number one, and anything you want to read on this, the authorities will tell you he never spent that kind of money. That kind of money was authorized to be spent. But he spent it, I would say, on the wall, which he didn't use it for, but he had soldiers. He had to ship down to the southwest border. Uh, He had to send troops someplace else. He had to do something else. And every time he had to do something else, he took the money out of FEMA that was supposed to go to Puerto Rico and other places, like the panhandle here in Florida that got hit bad by Michael, Georgia that got hit bad by Michael, still are hurting, still are living in tents and shit like that, excuse me for swearing, because it's absolutely disgusting. Here it is, a year and a half since Michael, and nothing's being done for these people. And these people live in the United States, when I'm talking the panhandle of Florida and Georgia. Anyhow, anyhow, only $12 billion ever got to Puerto Rico. The rest of it went, we're not sure. They uh, They can't itemize it all. But we know from authorities who don't lie, all right, experts who look at the numbers, et cetera, and try to trace it, it did not go 92 or $95 billion to Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico only got $12 billion, which was nowhere near enough to help this poor country. You got the hell knocked out of it. All right, now moving on. I want to talk to you about another hurricane called Andrew. Now, Category 5 is the worst hurricane in the world, something like 155 miles an hour or better. You're gone. With a Category 5, 
You're not dead necessarily, but your house is flat. I don't care if you're made of brick stone. Your house is flat with a Category 5 hurricane. Uh, think back, one of the worst hurricanes in the history of this country was the Labor Day hurricane of 1935. But I'm talking about the Hurricane Andrew, which hit this week in the year 1992, Hurricane Andrew. And Andrew hit Homestead primarily. Homestead is the end of the Keys. It's not in the Keys. It's the next city after the Keys, okay? Way before Miami. You still got a ways to go to get to Miami. It hit Homestead. Uh, it hit the Upper Keys and it hit the Ocean Reef area as a Category 5. Three weeks after Andrew had gone through, I wanted to come down and see how bad my property was because even though we were 135, 140 miles away from Homestead here in Key West, it, it, it isn't just a narrow margin. It, hurricanes are wide. They can be very wide. And I knew from people here who would telephone me I had some damage to the house, and I wanted to get down and check out the damage and see what I had to do. And three weeks later was about the first time I could really get down there uh, because I was not what you call a first responder at the time. So anyhow, I'm driving through Homestead. The highway going through Homestead, I don't know if it was US-1 or it's connected to US-1, I can't recall, but that highway was intact. Nothing was wrong with it. So I drove in a convertible straight through the middle of Homestead. Not one house was standing. Not one wall was standing. It reminded me of the photographs of Hiroshima and Nagasaki where atomic bombs had fallen. The town of Homestead was wiped out. Can you imagine how strong those winds had to be? We know they were over 155 miles an hour. And they literally took, whether it was wood, wood, brick, uh, concrete, those buildings were leveled. There is no protection against anything that strong. So they say today now we, we've got windows that will handle a Category 5 and we've got walls. But we haven't seen the Category 5 hurricane here yet and know for sure that they will handle it. I question it tremendously. But be that as it may, Andrew was a big hurricane. It brought tears to my eyes when I drove through. I had never seen such devastation. And I wrote and I talked a lot about Hurricane Irma's devastation of two years ago. How as bad as Irma was, it compared not at all to Andrew. Now we're going to go to Judy Garland. I'm doing a pretty good job of sort of avoiding Donald Trump here tonight. Judy Garland, the great movie star. And the reason I talk about her is it was this week in 1939 that The Wizard of Oz, she was the star of The Wizard of Oz, Judy Garland, uh, made its debut in movie theaters across the country. Uh, the Wizard of Oz is considered one of the best love, it's one of the best love movies in the history of making movies. And again, it opened uh, during this week in 1939. Now, Judy Garland was the star. You remember her, the red shoes, the red dancing shoes. <coughs> Excuse me. If you want to see those shoes, the for real shoes, you go to the Smithsonian Institute, one of the Smithsonian Institutes in Washington. 
uh, maybe the one that covers American history, probably was. They've got the shoes there on display, the for real shoes that Judy Garland wore during the movie. Now you say, what's the big deal? Well, it is. If you like the movie and you grew up with the movie, uh, you like the shoes. My my daughter, Lee, I mean, I, I the movie was 39. I was born in 35. I will tell you, I recall seeing the movie that very first year my parents took me to see it in 39. Okay? Also saw another movie that day. It was a double uh, feature. Gunga Den. Great movie. Great movie, Gunga Den. Anyhow, getting back to Judy Garland. Now, making a film was tough work. It's hard work today, but back then, the studios worked on schedules. You had to finish the movie in two and a half weeks or in ten weeks. Uh, the budget. The budget was, let's say, $20,000. I'm trying to use yesterday's dollar amount. You get, couldn't go over budget. It wasn't permitted. The movie stars didn't work uh, for themselves, where they got $20 million a movie or something. They were on the payroll of the, uh, the movies, of the uh, people who put out the movies, and the Warner Brothers and MGMs and people like that. And they signed a contract, and they got to check every week whether they worked or not, let's say $100, $200, and so forth. A lot of money back then. And they went from one movie to another, one picture to another. Uh, the studios kept them working, had to make money. Now, Judy was... 17 years old, as I recall, when she made The Wizard of Oz. Tough movie, hard movie. Think about it. Uh, the Munchins, the Yellow Brick Road, the, 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 the tornado or the cyclone in Kansas whipping the house around. <clears throat> Excuse me. The, the, the witches, uh, the, was the Witch of the East or the, the Good Witch of the West, Bad Witch of the East, I can't remember. But anyhow, I'm smiling as I say because it was a great movie. It was a cool movie. Uh, she got tired while she was making the movie. This is for real. She got tired while she was making the movie. And they had a scheduled time when she had to sleep during the day while the movie was being made. And what they would do was give her sleeping pills that would knock her out for one hour or two hours. That's all. <clears throat> then wake her up and give her a stimulant to bring her back to get her out of her drowsiness because she, she had to go back into the studio and continue making the movie. And then she'd work for more than one or two hours. She worked for five or six, and they keep pumping her with the stimulants. And then they put her back to bed for an hour or two, giving her sleeping pills. Now, this is the way it was done. And as a result, uh, she was addicted to drugs before she even finished that movie because she'd been on it for other movies, Okay. And the sadness of all this, the sadness of all this is that she died in 1969 at the age of 47 from an overdose, an accidental overdose, they said, an accidental overdose of drugs. Uh, understand, can you imagine, she's addicted, during her lifetime they said she was addicted to the barbiturates and amphetamines. Sometimes my lips get tight. Uh, so that was her story. Now it wasn't only her story. Remember Mickey Rooney. <coughs> Mickey Rooney and Judy Garland made a lot of movies together. And when it was Betty Bedtime, when they had to take their nap, their sleep, and they took their sleeping pills, they were in the same studio hospital room in 
two beds, one next to each other. They were given their sleeping pills. They went to sleep. An hour or two later, they were wakened. They were given their stimulants, whatever they were, and they were sent back out to work on the movie again. And then back to the bed with the sleeping pills, even Mickey Rooney. That's the way it was back then. And we talk about gun control. <coughs> Excuse me, I don't know why I have cough tonight, but I apologize. We're, I'm going to talk about gun control for a moment. We're always, this was the worst shooting. This is the worst massacre. We're going to do something about it this time. Remember how many years ago, this, they were six and seven-year-olds. There were about 17 or 20 of them that were shot dead while they were at school. Well, we had a shooting last week. And it was, age-wise, it was even worse, but we didn't read about it in the papers. I thought that any of you even heard of it. It happened in St. Petersburg at the Allendale United Methodist Church, and they ran a preschool. And there was a preschool classroom for two-year-olds. This, this is the group that was in danger, two-year-olds for two-year-olds. A bullet came through the window. <laughs> Fortunately, <coughs> excuse me again, the bullet was spent because it came through the window, hit a drape on the inside of the window, and flat, fell flat on the window sill. So it had no speed as it came in. It was spent. The police chief down there in St. Petersburg, Holloway, he says he thinks it was just a stray bullet. Uh, no one intended to shoot within the school. Uh, and there's been no further information uh, that I could find on this thing since other than what I have provided you here. But can you imagine? It could happen again. It's going to happen again. We know how many hundreds of people a year are killed, thousands of people, uh, through guns, and no one does anything. Trump doesn't have the testicles to do it. Our congressmen, Republican congressmen, Republican senators don't have the balls to stand up to the NRA and to stand up to gun manufacturers. They're more concerned with their political futures and their pocketbooks than the many lives, especially the young that are killed, with guns. We need gun control. I don't know if we're going to get it this year. Trump said we were. I don't believe him. I don't believe anything Trump says. Uh, <clears throat> and I don't know what's going to happen. We're going to find out again. But that's the story on two-year-olds that were in a place of danger. Now, Trump recently said, this is last week, uh, and he said this either before he went to the G7, I think it was just before the G7 or while he was at the G7 in France. He said two things that I thought were asinine, stupid, and ridiculous. One was he had, and I quote, an absolute right to order United States companies out of China. This is how he's going to get even with China. He's going to take our companies out. Then their people won't be able to work. They won't make money producing whatever they produce. The American factories over there will have to come home. There is absolutely no way he has this authority or this power. <coughs> he can't sign an executive order giving himself that kind of power. And I don't think the companies would even pay attention to him at that point. That's number one. He says, well, I got the authority of a 1977 law. I read up on this 1977 law. It has absolutely no application to moving our U.S. companies out of foreign lands. 
The other one said, he said, and I quote, I could declare a national emergency, quote, unquote. I could declare a national emergency. He thinks he could, could declare a national emergency, and then these American companies would have to leave China. No way. We're not at war with China. A tariff war is not a military war. You want to do it that way, you've got to be into a shooting war. We may be into a shooting war before this thing is over, all right? Then he can do it. But prior to that, no way. Which now brings me to the Amazon in Brazil. The Amazon forest. Big forest. That's all I ever knew my whole life. Amazon forest is big. Understand this past year of January, February, Brazil has a new president. He is just like Donald Trump, an authoritarian figure, a nationalist. Uh, he's nuts. <laughs> he thinks he's omnipotent. He's godlike, just like Donald Trump. He said when he was elected, the first thing he was going to do when he started doing it, he was going to cut down the entire Amazon forest, sell the wood, make some money for the country, and also there are purportedly many minerals under the ground. He was going to you know, rent to mining companies or sell property to mining companies so that the government could make money off the minerals under the ground. All of a sudden now, this big fire there, and uh, all kinds of crazy things. The, the fire is purportedly killing 20% of the oxygen because green, green growing things make oxygen. Uh, the G7 offered him $20 million to help put out the fire. He said he didn't want it. He only wanted to do what Donald Trump wanted him to do, and he would only take money through Donald Trump. Shows you how this thing is going on. Uh, and remember, my friends, also Donald Trump doesn't think uh, – when we were in California, he was going to take the money away because he said the state of California wasn't taking care of the woods that had these wilderness fires because they weren't sweeping the ground, sweeping the ground like they do in Finland. He's nuts. He thought you sweep the, you know, the leaves away and the little twigs and the fire won't spread. has no scientific bearing. The guy's crazy. But that's what he said there. And he thinks that he's going to tell the guy to do it down there in the Amazon, too. So that's the story for this week. I thank you for joining me. Join me. Read my blog every morning. It's up around 12 noon, uh, keywestlude.com. If you enjoy this little stuff I do this evening once a week, you'll enjoy the reading. It's short. All right, this is Louis Patron, my friends. I am signing off. Thank you for joining me again this week, and good night. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.